0: All right, open your Bibles if you would to 1 Kings chapter number 18. We'll continue in our series on Elijah. And uh, as we look at Elijah, of course, last week we looked at Elijah. And, uh, and the, the wavering that was taking place in Israel as they were wavering, uh, and Elijah asked the question, how long halt ye between two opinions? And uh, they certainly were halting and, and wavering, really, uh, between whether God was God or Baal was God. And that's certainly evident throughout the kingdom uh, of the nation of Israel. And so this morning, we're going to look at the water. And uh, boy, what a blessing that the rain fell finally. And uh, 1 Kings chapter number 18, and of course, they've been three and a half years without rain. And uh, what a blessing for them to be have rain. If you've ever been uh, without rain and it has not rained, we've had kind of a dry summer. And my yard's kind of uh, not brown, but, but my ground is just really hard, which is unusual uh, because there really hasn't been a whole lot of rain uh, not least in my area, this summer up uh, a little bit further north. Not, I'm in Maslin, but I'm in Jackson, and uh, it seems like the weather uh, south of 30 rains or right around 30, but a little bit further north, it doesn't always rain. And uh, boy, if you've had those drought experiences, uh, man, you know that, boy, you look out and you think, man, the flowers need the rain, the garden needs the rain, the grass needs the rain, everything needs the rain, needs the rain it's dry. And uh, I couldn't imagine being there three and a half years without any rain. That would be uh, a very long time. That would be very hard. You've got to imagine all the uh, yards, they just would not grow. And that would be a difficult thing for them. And so finally, when that rain does come, boy, what a blessing from God. And uh, and so there, we're going to look at that this morning. In 1 Kings 18, verse number 41 The Bible says, And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat, and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth, and put his face between his knees, and said to his servants, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, saying, Ahab, prepare thy chariot, and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. God, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be in your house, gathered around your word. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts as only you can. Father, help us as we look into your word to learn from you this morning. Father, we'll thank you for that. And God, will be careful to give you the, the honor, the glory, and the praise for all that is said and done. And God, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this, of course, they had been in that drought for quite some time. And, uh, and, and it's amazing, you know, that the prophets of Baal had been destroyed. Uh, the, he had, Elijah had killed them, the 450 prophets of Baal. And so now uh, they are expecting uh, the blessing of God finally to fall on Israel. Now, nobody likes to get caught in the rain. I've often said, I, I prefer snow over rain. Well, some of you like, just gave me dart eyes that would kill me. Uh, but, you know, snow falls on you and it brushes off. That's why I like snow. Rain falls on you, it does not brush off. You get soaking wet when you're caught in the rain. Uh, and That's why I don't like rain. But, but really, rain is a representation of the blessing of God. If you think of it that way, we sing the song, Showers of Blessings. There shall be showers of blessings. That's true. Uh, that God often, uh, rain can be very much so a blessing of God on the earth. We see here that the drought was the judgment of God. And could you imagine all of these guys? Uh, I mean, they they were out there the entire day for this showdown between Elijah, the man of God, and the prophets of Baal, and they were there observing and watching the whole thing. And of course, uh, the fire fell, and 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 Elijah's sacrifice had been consumed, and the prophets of Baal then were all uh, were all killed and eliminated out of Israel. And you could imagine this great. crowd. Crowd of Israel observing all of this, and then all of a sudden, boy, they're waiting for rain, and they're saying, "Boy, the 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 uh, the the rain of God is finally going to to fall." And I could imagine, after three and a half years, they probably wouldn't have been terribly upset to get caught in the rain. They'd have been happy uh, to actually have the rain and have the blessing of God fall on the nation of Israel. And so uh, you kind of can get an idea of that and picture all of that as taking place. And so as we look at this, I want us to notice, first of all, uh, the passions of the flesh. I want you to notice in verse number 41 uh, this about Ahab. The Bible says, And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat, and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Uh, clearly, Elijah is in control of this entire situation. It kind of cracks me up uh, because in reality, Elijah has been a man who has dominated the scenes from day one. From the very first day that he walks in and meets Ahab and says, Hey, thus saith the Lord uh, that it is not going to rain or dew or anything is going to fall on the land until I say so. And his dominance is very clear even over the king of all of Israel. Boy, let that sink in for a minute. Because clearly, uh, Elijah was in control. Uh, Not so much Elijah, but God uh, that had sent Elijah. And Elijah is very aware of that. And so then Elijah flees and he leaves. And, And King Ahab tries to assert his authority in that he searches high and low for Elijah, but he is not able to find Elijah. And then when Elijah does show up back on the scenes, uh, he's instantly in control again and he's the one barking orders and Ahab is again the one that is taking all of these orders. And Elijah says, hey, I want you to gather all the prophets of Baal up on Mount Carmel. We're going to have a showdown. And so Ahab then, of course, gathers all the prophets of Baal and they go up to Mount Carmel. And, uh, and once again, Elijah is in control of the situation. He dictates all of the terms of this showdown and how it's going to go down. And he's telling Ahab everything that's going to take place. And then at the end of that, he tells Ahab, hey, we're going to gather up all the prophets of Baal that you have supported, that you've been behind, that you have pushed up to the front in Israel, and we're going to kill them all. They're gone. And Elijah is very much so in charge of all of this situation. Afterwards, after all of this, he then goes to Ahab and he says, hey, go get yourself some food because rain's about to fall. And again, he is in control of the entire situation. Now, Ahab was a man given to weak fleshly desires. He was not a strong man. Uh, A strong man is somebody who is submitted to the authority of God in their lives and, and, and following God in their life. Elijah's a great picture of that. We just noted all of the authority that he took and and all of the leadership roles that he did. Uh, Again, not because Elijah was some wonderful man, but because Elijah was submitted to God and following God in his life. And we see the strong uh, role of leadership that he was able to take, where Ahab was a man who was very much so given to his weak, fleshly passions in this world. Notice what he said there in verse number forty-one. Elijah told him this, and Elijah said unto him, "Get thee up, eat, and drink." Now, these are very these are. There's nothing wrong with eating and drinking, um, drinking water. I have to clarify that. All right, drinking uh, not alcoholic stuff. We're not talking about that. Uh, but but there's nothing wrong with eating and drinking. It's a necessary thing. Um, our body needs it. Uh, but here's the here's the idea. Look at this. Think about this. What has just taken place? Well, 450 prophets of Baal were just killed. These were the prophets that uh, that Ahab had had supported, that Ahab had set up, that Ahab had established in his kingdom. And and here comes the word from the man of God. Hey, go get yourself some food. And and it's interesting because Ahab has absolutely no concern for other people. You remember when uh, it, it was, there was a great famine that was taking place and all of these other people were dying. And where, what was Ahab doing? Well, he was out searching for grass for his animals. That's what he was doing. And the second man, Obadiah, and his kingdom, uh, they both were out there. They parted ways and they are saying, hey, let's go look for grass because our animals are dying. What about the people that were in his town that were dying? What about the the constituents of his area? Uh, And Ahab really is not shown to have any concern or desire or care for those people. Once again, we see that in that Ahab really does not even care about these prophets of Baal that were killed and were were, uh, eliminated here in this passage. Look in verse number 42. We find out what he says, what he does. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. And, and uh, boy, you think, wow, that's pretty amazing. And some would be quick to point out and say, well, he hasn't eaten and drank all day. I mean, uh, this whole showdown, uh, you remember the prophets of Baal, they, they cried from the morning all the way, really, until the evening uh, sacrifice when, uh, when Elijah offered his sacrifice. But think of this, you got to imagine Elijah didn't eat either. Uh, most of the people that were gathered there, uh, they, were, they were busy watching. Nobody else has eaten, and Elijah is not running off for food. Uh, he, is, he is more concerned about what God would have, but then he sends off Ahab and says, eh, go feed yourself. I know that your belly's growling. I know that you've been looking at your watch. I know that you've been more concerned about, uh, about your own self and your own hunger and your own desires above anything else that is going on today. So, hey, go feed yourself. Go take care of yourself, because that's obviously your primary concern. And carnal fleshly people, it is amazing, can sit through some of the most spirit-filled meetings where God's presence is obvious and only care about carnal things. We notice that about, about Ahab. He's a very carnal man. He is not concerned. Uh, he was a selfish man. We notice that. Uh, he was not concerned with the prophets of Baal that have been uh, killed. And, and he's very carnal-minded. And the Bible says this in Romans 8, 7. It says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. We find, we find King Ahab is very carnal. Uh, his thoughts are not spiritual. He's, not, uh, he's neither uh, affected negatively nor positively by the great victory that God had wrought in Israel. He, he's not concerned uh, that rain is about to come. And he's only concerned with feeding himself. And so we find that's very telling about King Ahab. You say, well, w- wait a minute, what about this? Uh, why is that? Go with me to verse number 42 we'll read, we'll go back to verse 41. And Elijah said to Ahab, get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. Look at what Elijah does. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. You know what Elijah does? He goes to a prayer meeting. And part of it, I think, in him sending Ahab away was that, man, you are not contributing to the spiritual environment of this prayer meeting that I want to have with God and to the spiritual cause that's about to take place. And so Elijah sends him away, rejecting Ahab and tell him, hey, listen, there's an ounce of spirituality in you, and I need to get on my face before God. Now I need to meet with God. And we find that Elijah sends him away and gets him out of the way. We see that uh, Ahab was a very, a very fleshly, carnal person who was not really concerned with the presence of God, with the power of God, with the miracles of God, with the condemnation of God, or with the blessings of God. And that is a problem in Ahab's life. And, it, and it, it goes throughout his lifetime. This is not new, uh, but it's very uh, evident even in this passage. And so we see the passions of the flesh there of Ahab. But I want you to notice the persistency of faith in Elijah. Look with me in verse 42. And I love Elijah's actions here. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, And he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees and said to his servants, go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. Elijah's public actions during this entire showdown ha- have just been uh, wonderful, God-exalting actions. His actions have, have proven very much so that he is a man of God, he's a man of character, and on display everything has been very good uh, and very clear. And I want you to notice that, that, uh, that uh, Elijah's private life lines up with his public life. He is a man of God. He is a man of character. He is a man that will go up uh, into the mountain alone and he will spend time and fall on his face before God. And he's not concerned about the fleshly passions uh, of of himself. He's not concerned with the fact that, hey, he has not eaten all day either. Uh, He's not concerned with those things. He's more concerned about spending time with God. What a persistent Constant testimony that, that Elijah has. We see that in his interests. He's more concerned about God than anything else. And we see that in Elijah's life. Uh, we see that he had just spent an entire day with God. And that's not enough, uh, but he's going to spend some private time in prayer with God as well. And his spiritual interest is incredible. And listen, uh, sometimes I wonder how much spiritual interest do I have? Well, we got to investigate our own lives. And, and boy, it's amazing, really, in society today. You know, people people do not think anything of spending three hours at a ball game. I mean, they don't really. I mean, when you go, you expect well, I'm going to be there for three hours. Um, and, and that's just what people, people expect uh, when they watch a ball game. Uh, but boy, uh, a lot of people are like, man, I, I can't spend more than an hour at church. I mean, that would be bad. Or boy, I read my Bible for a whole 15 minutes. Uh, listen, we need time. Ta- dedicating time for God has got to be a priority. And it is for Elijah. It is something that he's concerned about. He just spent all day with God. And now he's going up to spend more time falling on his face and praying to God that the rain uh, would come. And oh, how we read these things, and it ought to it spike our heart and say, you know what, we need more spiritual interest in our life. Not just persistency in interests, But I want you to notice the persistency in the the faithfulness of Elijah. Look at what it says there in verse number 41. I love his statement there. And Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up, eat, and drink. And watch what he says. For there is a sound of abundance of rain. Now, there was no sound of rain. I'll tell you that right now. Why is that? Well, you read down through there. And, uh, and, and Elijah says, he goes and he prays, and then he sends his servant up, hey, go see if there's any clouds. There's no clouds. Not a single cloud in the sky. Elijah's statement of the sound of abundance of rain was a statement that was made out of faith to Ahab. He said, listen, God's going to do what God said he would do. And there will be rain. And Elijah's faith is so persistent here that he says, Hey, God said it, and I believe it. It's kind of like me saying, Well, man, I hear the sound of the trumpet. Well, there's no trumpet sound but I'll tell you this, God made a promise that He would come again and that there would be a sound of a trumpet and it's me saying, hey, I believe that that trumpet will sound. And it is boy, it's even, I mean, I can almost hear them warming up and getting ready to sound that trumpet. It is a statement of faith. It is saying that I believe God's promises, no matter what man believes, no matter how man lives their life, I believe what God is saying that's the statement that elijah's making here when he says there is a sound of abundance of rain it is a spiritual hearing that enabled elijah to hear something before it ever took place that god said hey god said it and i believe it and i totally trust god look with me down in verse number 44 Elijah, I love this whole passage because he prays. But look down in verse number 44. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. So in other words, there was a cloud about this big, way off in yonder distance that he could barely make out uh, with naked eye. He's looking and he said, man, I think... I." I'm pretty sure that's a cloud. That's nothing. There's no lint or nothing in my eye. That's a cloud that I see. Barely could make it out. Look at what Elijah says in verse number 44. After he sees that, he said, and he said, go up, say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. I love watching clouds. I am not a, I am not a... I don't even know the right word for it. The guy who knows the weather, a meteorologist, and I I don't know all of those things. I'll be flat honest with you. But I love watching clouds, and I love watching rain clouds. And and I love, uh, I've done this many a time. You you stand at the bottom, or not at the bottom, but you stand away from a tree or a telephone pole or something that kind of sticks up in the skyline, and you watch the clouds as they move past that that object that doesn't move. And you can really tell a lot how fast the storm is blowing by. How is it going to last? If them clouds are barely moving and they're kind of lingering and it's raining, guess what? It's probably going to be around a while. But if you watch that cloud, and boy, it's really a moving fast, you're like, man, this is going to rain, it's going to blow over, and it's going to be gone unless, unless it extends for a long way. Uh, but I, I enjoy watching those clouds, and it's quite amazing to see the movement of those clouds in the sky. And here we have Elijah, and he's watching it. Now, uh, Elijah's faith is in God. There's a tiny little cloud. You know what that tells me? Man, it is a far way off. I mean, it might take a day to get here. But Elijah, out of faith, says, Hey, go tell Ahab. His meal is over. He needs to get in his chariot. He needs to get home. Because if he doesn't, he's going to get caught in the rain. What the faith. What the amazing faith that Elijah has as he watches God. He has great faith in God. His persistency in faith. Not only that, but I want you to notice his persistency in his interest of God, his persistency in his faith, but I want you to notice his persistency in his reverence. Elijah is constantly, uh, uh, has faith in God and reverence in God. Look at what he does. I did not note the verse there, but uh, it's in verse number 42. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, right in the middle. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. We find that in the Old Testament quite a lot of times where where somebody will cast themselves on the ground. I don't know uh, exactly how that looked. I don't know if Elijah got down on all fours and put his head on the ground. Uh, But but the position and the idea was out of complete reverence to God. In saying, you know what? You're holy and I'm man. I am not even worthy to look at you. I I bow and I humble myself before the Almighty Presence of God. You can, you can pray standing. I'm not going to say you can't. Matter of fact, the New Testament account of the fella, uh, that that stood and lifted his hands toward heaven and his face toward heaven and cried out, he said, God have mercy on me for I am a sinner. You can't, there's nothing wrong with that. You can do that. But I'm just saying this, that when you kneel before the very presence of God, It is a humility, it is a humbling of yourself and saying, God, I am am humbling myself before you and that you are higher than me and that you are more important than I am. It is a statement of reverence that is made with his posture. Listen, it, it it fits well the heart of Elijah as he bows and kneels before Almighty God. And we find that he's persistent in his reverence to God. Verse number 43, we read this a few times, or we read this once at least. And the Bible says in verse 43, And said unto his servant, Go up now, and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. I could just imagine Elijah. just going, He's on his knees before God, and he's crying out, and he's saying, God... I just imagine a very simple prayer. God, send the rain. I I just imagine it's just that simple. We're not told exactly what he prayed uh, and how long it was, but but that. And then after he prays that, he says to his servant, hey, go see if you see a cloud. That's faith. That's trusting God. His servant goes and sees a cloud or doesn't see anything, comes back and, nope, there's nothing. And Elijah, same thing, prays again. And says, God, we're trusting in you for the rain. Please send the rain. And he says to his servant, go look again. And seven times that plays out, in my opinion, one right after the other. And he's persistent in his prayers. Listen, sometimes we expect results from God right away. I mean, in my life, uh, I know that sometimes I'll pray something and, and I'm thinking, God, please do this or God, please do that. And, and, and nothing happens. And I say, hmm, I guess God didn't want to do that. No, that's not always the case. God wanted to bless Israel. God wanted to send the rain. God Obviously, God did send the rain, but Elijah was persistent. We see that not only here with this, uh, but we've seen it as well with the child. You remember three times that Elijah laid on that child and prayed, God, restore this, this, this young child, his life. And we see that Elijah is persistent in his prayer life with God, saying, God, I'm asking you to do this thing. I'm asking you to cover this thing. And we find that Elijah is faithful in his persistency with God. What a great example for us. I want you to notice the last part in verse number 45 and 46. I want you to notice this is quite an amazing portion in verse 45. The Bible says, And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. I want you to notice not only the passions of Ahab's flesh and the persistency of Elijah's spiritual life, but I want you to notice the pace of Elijah's feet. This is quite amazing. In verse number 46, the Bible says that he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now, they say that the distance from Mount Carmel, where they were roughly to Jezreel, was anywhere from 15 to 20 miles. The other day, my, um, my kids were talking about running a, a 5K, and, uh, and they were trying to get me to go, and I said, let's go run a 5K, and, and I haven't ran a I haven't run a 5K in years, and so uh, I haven't run a a one mile in in years. And so I'm thinking, man, I really do need to get back out there and run, but I don't know if I want to jump into it at at 5K. That's three and a half miles. And uh, and I remember running three and a half miles before. I I am not a long, I've never been a long distance runner. I've tried to learn, and I've gotten a lot better at running long distance, but I've always been a sprinter for the short distance, and I do okay at that. But, man, those long distance runs... And, and three and a half miles is not a long distance run compared to 15 or 20 or 25, depending on where they went in Jezreel. It's it not even a drop in the bucket. It's not even halfway. It's not even a quarter of the way. And, and, uh, uh, and, and here we have Elijah who is running and he's going before and he's arriving before Ahab does. Now, Ahab has a hort, horse and a chariot. And here we have Elijah outrunning that. Now, even with the greatest of athletes, this is a miracle of God. That's supernatural. That is not a natural ability of Elijah to be able to run that speed and that length of distance at the drop of a hat. And so we have a miracle of God. I want you to notice this about the pace of the feet. I want you to notice that he was forced into into running. We again see Ahab's fleshly carnality. Now, it is no secret that Ahab did not like Elijah. He had no reason to like Elijah because Ahab was not right with God. Ahab did not like God. And therefore, Ahab would have nothing to do with Elijah. But he does not offer Elijah a ride. He's just selfish like that. And he jumps in his chariot, and off he goes. Forget the man of God, forget everyone else, I'm gone. And so Elijah really doesn't have a choice but to run. And, uh, and so I want you to notice in verse 46, the Bible says this in the very beginning, And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. Boy, what a blessing to know that God will help you physically get through some things that you may not be able to get through on your own. What an amazing God we serve. And God certainly blessed here. God certainly took care of Elijah. God certainly enabled Elijah to go the distance and go the speed that he needed to go. And I'm reminded of the verse in Isaiah 40, 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God is more than able to help us do what we need to do. I can't tell you uh, the amount of times that, that God has, has helped me physically with things. I, I tell you what, people are like, well, you speak Spanish and you speak Italian. Listen, you don't know how much time I prayed and asked God, help me to speak Spanish. Not because I want to be uh, the best Spanish speaker, but because I want to convey the message of God from his word to these people that only speak Spanish. And I need to speak Spanish for that purpose. And God helps. Um, God helped Elijah arrive. Uh, I, I could tell you time and time and time again that God has helped me. A- and I'm not claiming some crazy, wild miracles, I'm just saying that God is physically able to help us today in 2022 and help us accomplish things. And you cannot deny the power of God in Elijah's life. And you ought not deny the power of God in our life. And so I'm not, again, I'm not talking about wild, crazy things. I'm just telling you that God is able to help us when he is honored and when he's glorified. And we ought to depend upon God. We see his, his pace of his feet. We see that he's forced into running. But God enables him to run the distance. Listen, what a great example in Elijah's life. He was wise in running. The Bible tells us there in verse 46, he girded up his loins. In the Bible, times they'd wear a tunic that would be all the way down to their ankles. And the the term, gird up your loins, is to take that tunic and bring it up to your knees and and tie it uh, and and make it hold a a lot higher so that they could run a lot easier. And so he prepared himself to run that distance as well. I mean, as much as was, was physically possible. And I'm reminded of the verse in Hebrews 12:1, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin with just so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Boy, we have a spiritual race to run. We've got to do that by... Boy, unloading sinful things, unloading carnality out of our life, and following God. We see see Ahab's passion of the flesh. We see Elijah's persistency. And then we see uh, Elijah's pace that God set, and God was uh, enabling Elijah to go that distance and go that time and do what he needed to do and arrive there in Jezreel. What What a great God we serve as we think about all of Elijah's life, as we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, may we purge our lives of the carnality that Ahab had. And in reality, it dwells within all of us. It's something that we all struggle with. May we be encouraged to purge ourselves from that, to be persistent in our interest with God, in our faith with God, in our prayers, with our reverence to God persistency, and then the pace to run our race spiritually. Father, we thank you for each and every person that's here this morning. God, thank you for their persistence in coming, their persistence in being faithful. God, may we be even more persistent in our life as we strive to serve you. God, I pray that you would help us. I pray that you'd strengthen us. God, I pray that you'd give us the grace that we need to accomplish what needs to be done in our lives. Father, I pray that you would just bless each and every person that's here this morning. Thank you for them. God, I ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we have a short hymn of invitation, God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Maybe you want to thank him for the strength that he's, maybe he's enabled you to do things and you're like, man, I... I didn't know that I could do that, but God helped me. Just thank him for it. Recognize him for that. Praise him for that. Thank him for that. Maybe he showed you some carnality that needs removed. Maybe there's persistency that needs improved. Whatever the need, the altar's open.